We've all heard about them, but do we really know how to use them, when to use them, how to write them, and how to build them? Well, you will in a moment. My guest today is Kelsey Johnson, and Kelsey is a product marketing manager at Aweber, and they're one of the world's leading email automation platforms. Now, Kelsey specializes in helping entrepreneurs and side hustlers and copywriters make more sales in less time through the power of email automation. She'll be sharing with me the inside story of how to make a landing page work for you. She'll also be sharing her secrets on how to create and write an email welcome series, which you'll need if someone signs up to your landing page offer. She'll cover what that email sequence needs to look like, what it needs to include, how often those emails need to be sent, how to keep your list active and engaged, and much, much more. Now, if you're a copywriter looking to use landing pages to promote yourself and your writing business, or you want to offer landing pages to your clients and get paid to do so, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert. I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers' Centre. And if you'd like to learn how to write emails and landing pages and web copy and other forms of copy, and you want to have a process that you can follow over and over so that you know exactly what to do when you sit down to write, check out our short course, Copywriting Essentials, at writercentre.com.au forward slash essentials. And if you like this podcast, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get started. Welcome, Kelsey, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. Kelsey, landing pages, everyone talks about them, and there's an assumption that we should all know what they are. But let's start with the basics. What is a landing page? Yeah. And you know what? Uh, When I started in my marketing career, people used to throw the phrase landing page around as though it's something that you should already know what it is. So I understand that, you know, a lot of established marketers have used one so often that they kind of assume they know what it is. But a lot of people who are just getting into it or who are creating landing pages for their own business don't quite know yet. So a landing page is in its technical sense. It is just a standalone web page. It can be built separately from your website. It doesn't and shouldn't connect directly to your website in any way. Um, It can still have the same domain as your website, but technically it's just a standalone page. Now what you use it for is one purpose. So if you think about a landing page, you wanna think about it as one specific page that's for one specific purpose. Okay, so talk me through some kind of case study, you know, what kind of company could use this and, uh, and how does it show up in the, 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 the automation, if you like, of a campaign? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, previously and, and for a long time, landing pages were used for bigger companies. So if you think about, let's say, a software company that creates software for um, students and also for teachers and also for small businesses, the way that they would use landing pages is to run advertisements or run marketing that's targeted towards those specific uh, verticals, towards those specific types of people. But that marketing is it has a link to that specific landing page, which talks to those people. So the way that you are describing your product 
to students is going to be completely different than the way that you're talking about your product to small businesses. Maybe you give a discount to students. Maybe they're using it in the way that they're learning about it. Um, and maybe the small business is, you know, using completely different features of your software. But landing pages now are sort of trickling down to smaller businesses to creators, to people doing side gigs, to people, you know, just doing marketing campaigns for their own business because they're so simple now. So if you think about a landing page now, you can use it in your social media, you can use it in your marketing and what you're doing for your small business, no matter how small it is, no matter what you sell, to do things like sign people up for your email list, right? You can have a landing page that says, Here's my newsletter. Here's my email list. Please sign up for it here. Or let's say you're an author. You can use a landing page to sell that one specific book to get people really excited about that one book um, or even just to test the different types of people that you might be selling your products to or, you know, you have a lot of people who listen to your podcast who are copywriters, right? Um, are they you know, targeting somebody who works for a bigger marketing agency who's looking for that copywriter, or are they, is their, you know, sort of service and their prices resonating more with a small business who just needs help creating the copy for their website, for their emails. And that's the kind of thing that you could really figure out and you can really hone in on that messaging by having two completely different pages. And as you're doing marketing, as you're reaching out to those different audiences, you can really cater the way that you sell your service to those two different audiences and just learn more about what's working and what's not. Awesome, great description. So maybe take me through... We, yeah, we start with an ad somewhere, let's say a, a Google ad, right? So you're saying to the example with the, the training organisation, um, you've got maybe three different ads, one ad's for the SME, the small business, one's for the student and one's for, um, you know, another you know party. And each one of those ads is different and then they all lead to different landing pages so that um, you can talk to that audience in its own language without having to sort of muddy the, the message down to accommodate everybody. Is that is that a good summation of what we're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about what you should put on a landing page, what what you're putting on the landing page, no matter what it is that you're selling or what you're trying to get somebody to do or what you're trying to get them to sign up for, you know, another good use case for this is a lead magnet, right? You want to get capture somebody's email, but you're going to give them something in exchange. So this landing page, you're always sort of giving somebody something in exchange for something else. That's kind of the point of it, getting them to take an action. Now, when you think about what you're putting on that page, you're not really, you shouldn't just put a list of the things that you have available. You shouldn't say, you know, here's my checklist, right? Here's my lead magnet. Um, it's going to have these things on it. What you should say on that landing page is, here is how it can benefit you, right? Here are the things that um, after going through this checklist, um, you are going to have a better copy of your own. You are going to be able to see better things on your site. You're going to be able to write better subject lines. Anything like that that's kind of a little bit of a giveaway in order to get them onto your list and then eventually sell your services. But on that landing page itself, what you want is a list of benefits. You want to really sell 
the benefits of what you're offering to that audience. But things benefit different people in different ways. You know, you can't just sell the exact same thing across the board with the same language. So when you're talking to students, you know, you might want to say free, 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 right? Because students are looking for a deal, you know, just across the board in general. But when you're talking to a a business owner, you might want to dive more into here's how you can make more sales. Here's how your business is actually going to improve from this checklist that I'm giving you about your subject lines. And even though they're getting the same thing, the language, the benefits language can be different. And, you know, it really, really works. They say, firstly, you know, for some of these businesses that have a lot of different audiences. Um, Forbes has done some research that said you know, 15 landing pages or more increased conversion rates by 55%. So we're talking, you know, going from this sort of generic language to like across the board to this really, really targeted language that just really, really works because it's so targeted. And because the marketers have been doing this for so long, we're used to it. We want to see that language that says, you know, hey, product marketing manager, Kelsey, you know, obviously not my name, but I want to see that language that speaks to me. Otherwise, like, I don't want to have to dig around and figure out why this person, whatever it is that they're giving me is going to benefit me. Got it. So what we're saying here is the old way was you have one web page for everybody and everybody had to work their way through it and try and see themselves in the copy. Whereas now we've got these individual niched pages that we can send people to that are completely tailored and customized for that particular need. And that's different to the past because I guess of companies like yours that you're making this kind of technology available, whereas before it really was the domain of the big corporates who can only afford to do that. Yeah. And if you think about a website, you know, which was sort of what used to be across the board, what everyone had, just a website and they would run ads and then send people to their website. Websites are big. They take a lot to build. They take a lot to update. They take a lot, a lot of writing to do. And the beauty in a landing page is that they are so simple. They are created, you know, for the most part with drag and drop builders. You're not supposed to really put that much copy on it in general. You just need to get straight to the point, throw an image on there, but you can put them together so easily with landing page builders like the one that we have at Aweber, but there's tons of them out there too, where you can just sort of put together one page, use templates. There's tons of templates that you can just copy. And so you don't even have to design this thing and try out that language, right? Create a new page. Don't overthink it. No coding and make it live on the web and then try it out and see if that language is working, see how that conversion is working for you. And that I think is the beauty for somebody who's maybe a a contractor, small business owner, or even just, you know, doing a side gig, anything like that. You don't really have time to build new pages on your site all the time, right? You need something that you can put together simply, but that really converts. And so, you know, I just, I can't say enough good things about like how great landing pages can be and how much you can do with them. Awesome. So let, let's talk about the, the the mechanics of actually writing one because everyone listening is, you know, in the world of writing potentially. What what are some of the, the must-haves in the landing page? What are some of those, those uh, you know, bullet points, if you like, or headlines that must be covered off? 
Absolutely. So the first thing that you need to do is come up with that sort of value prop and the audience, right? What is the target audience for this? Where are where are people coming into this landing page from? What are they going to expect to see? Maybe even think about the um, copy that's going into that, maybe messaging on social media or advertisements or something. But the value prop, you need to know exactly what it is that they really are getting out of this. And then use that to drive one very attention catching, you know, headline. And if it is like students, throw that into the headline. People are really going to appreciate being able to see like, oh, I am a student or, oh, I am a marketer. How did you know? Oh, okay. You know, um, <laughs> you absolutely have, must have an image or a video on that page. Um, imagery just adds so much more to it. Like 80% of people expect to see images on every single thing. It is just an absolute must have videos even better. As long as you keep it kind of short, um, make sure that you have just out of interest, how short for video. Um, I'd say a minute or less. Um, but you know, if you, they're saying now the, the TikToks are saying seven seconds is what people want. And, you know, Forbes actually did research too, that said seven seconds is the amount of time that you have to make a strong persuasive argument. And so <laughs> we think of this as crazy, but everyone's got a short attention span these days. So if you can catch somebody in those seven seconds and that's either through the headline or through that video, um, do it. But if you've got a little bit of a longer one that's more like a minute, then that's fine too. I wouldn't put a 10 minute video okay. on this page. Cool. So <laughs> back where you are, I interrupted. Uh, what else goes on that, uh, that all important? Yeah, okay, so then we, yeah, sure. We've got the benefits uh, language. And again, I would say just three bullet points. If you can't explain the benefit to that person in three bullet points, um, and I know you have your own thing. You could talk for hours probably about how great it is, but they really, you know, find those three most important things and just throw those down, scan scannable, really easy. Um, give them a huge CTA. You know, most people, I think they said like 90% of people who read a headline will also read the CTA. So they're getting down. For people listening, call to action. Oh, yeah. yes. Sorry. That's good. So call to action, which is which is what you want them to do, right? So whether that's sign up for your email list, whether that's uh, click through to, um, you know, get the resource, whether that's purchase something, um, but make sure that button that they can click to make that purchase is really big. Um, and then absolutely always put social proof on there. So social proof is like a testimonial. It's a um, case study, maybe a really short one. It is a, a review that you pulled from online or just a review that you sort of created yourself. Uh, social proof, I'm constantly telling everybody, just put it everywhere. Uh, even if it's a testimonial that you took in-house and it doesn't have you know third-party authentication from like uh, Trustpilot or one of those places, it doesn't matter. When people can see that the um, person who purchased that last or who signed up for the list last has something positive to say about it, um, throw that on there for sure. Okay. Uh, and you know what? That's it. Okay. <laughs> let's, not, let's not add anything more because uh, really from that headline, the imagery and the bullet points, you should be able to make that conversion. And if you can't adding a lot more onto that page isn't really going to do a lot more for you. Okay. So we pressed the call to action. What happens next? What should we be thinking about in terms of the next step if we're putting this together? Yeah. Well, if we're thinking about the funnel um, and again, the funnel, meaning 
what you're bringing somebody from the initial point where you marketed to them, where you did advertisements, that's your initial lead. And then the funnel, the end of the funnel, right, is the purchase, the sale. But for a lot of people, and especially people providing services, it's not just click ad, see landing page, make purchase, done. That would be great. How wonderful would that be? But that's, um, it takes sometimes people a little bit longer to warm up to you, warm up to your brand and everything like that. You know, AWeber is in essence an email marketing platform. And so what we recommend is that you have that CTA and you make sure that whatever it is that you promised that person, you get it to their inbox immediately. So you can set up pretty easy automation processes where let's say you are offering a lead magnet, right? A checklist, this check, this ideal checklist of like, you know, best practices for creating subject lines. Um, Make sure that you make that checklist available on a PDF and set up an automation so that as soon as they click that call to action, maybe you can bring them to the page with that checklist, but it also goes into their inbox. And you introduce them to the fact that whatever it was that you promised, you are fulfilling for them. You are building that relationship. You are making that person trust you and your brand um, and know that you're going to get them exactly what it is you promised. Okay. So I think you might have covered this just a moment ago, but let's just make sure. So you're saying uh, you click the call to action. It goes to the inbox. Do you also give the people instant access right there and then? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Instant access, open, you know, whatever that resource is, whatever it is that you, even if it's like a, if they made a purchase, you know, take them to that confirmation page, let them know, you know, if it's a physical thing they purchased when they can expect it. If it's a video that they purchased, send them to that video, you know, make sure that you get that person the comfort of, you know, getting exactly what it is that they got in a new tab, but always send it to their email too. Because what if they close that tab? What if it's, you know, a system that they lose, then they'll be chasing you down for it. um, And that's not as good of an experience. So we always recommend that goes straight into the inbox. Let's talk about that inbox. Okay. So this is where the beginning of that, that relationship, you know, commences, right? So talk us through what sort of things we should be thinking about when we create that series of emails that welcome that person to our to our world? Yeah, you know what? Um, I you, like the welcome campaign is the greatest thing that you can do because you get this opportunity right when this person appreciates you to um, let them know about your company, right? So the initial welcome email, um, as you put it together, it's going to give them that lead magnet. If that's something that you offered them, it'll introduce them to your company and gives them a little bit more information. And I would say even in that first email, let them know what it is that you sell so that they know, you know, whether or not they, that's something that they might be interested in in the future. Um, And then as you go through, you can educate your uh, new lead about what it is that you offer. So, you you know, if you have uh, discounted prices for students, create that welcome email for those students and let 
let them know about the discount, let them know about, you know, maybe uh, you've helped out previous students uh, get better grades in that course or something like that. Um, go through, here's the process if you sign me on. Uh, I do a retainer. I, you know, will give you this many hours or this many um, pages or this much work per month. Uh, we have options for this. Really educate people right when they first learn about you, um, about what it is that is on, you know, that they're going to be offered from your, both your emails whenever you send them out. And also if they, if they hire you on as a client. Um, and then the other thing that uh, I can't remember his name, but I got this <laughs> um, suggestion from another Australian copywriter, which is make all of that initial content available immediately. So we love the welcome campaign, right? It's a new email that comes every day or every couple of days. Um, you send an email, you wait a little bit, you really like let that person get to know your brand. But what if they want to know everything at once? You know, what if they actually are ready to read that next email? Don't make them wait. What you can do is put together another landing page that has the content for all of those emails laid out and you can just link to it at the bottom of each email. You know, do you want to hear everything that we have to offer you? We, you are in a welcome campaign. Everybody knows they're in a welcome campaign. You don't have to pretend like they're not. <laughs> You're in a welcome campaign. You're going to be getting seven emails. Do you want to read all those emails now? Great. Here's the link. <laughs> like, go check it out. <laughs> and then you know you don't have to make somebody wait for that social proof if that's what they're looking for. Maybe you have that 10 minute video or that five minute video in a, in your fourth email that really introduces you like, hi, I'm Kelsey. Um, I am an English major. I also am a great copywriter. I've got all these clients who have had great success with me and I'm also really fun to work with. Right. I like coffee and I like beer and I like to laugh and I don't want this to be a serious process. That's what I'd put in that fourth email. Email. Um, but if the person's really engaged, if they're like, hey, I've been looking for something and I'm looking around, give them all the content at once so that they can check that all out. Interesting. And how many emailers in the welcome campaign should we have? I know I get asked that a lot. Um, I'd say the initial welcome campaign should be about five to seven. Never write an email that doesn't have content in it. If you're just saying the same thing you did in the last email, don't send it. It's it's just bad and annoying. Um, so what I do is, especially with people who are just getting started, I say five emails because, um, you know, you can do a lead magnet, you can do social proof, uh, you can do a quick video, um, you can break down your services, and then you can do a thank you. You're done with this welcome. And anyone can put that together. And then what you should do is continue to add on to it. So if you've had like a case study with a particular client who that was really successful and you sent out, say, um, a one-off email that a lot of people really liked, put it in your welcome campaign. Maybe wait a month and to send that one out or wait two weeks to send that one out. But the cool thing about welcome campaigns is you can actually make them forever. So you can start with the five days maybe in a row or every other day for five days but you can then wait a month before sending the next email. Maybe you're waiting six months before sending the next email. Um, maybe you are asking for somebody to join a different initiative that you have, but you don't want to do it straight at, straight at the beginning. You know, just 
keep thinking about those emails that are working that you're sending that are one-offs and whether or not you want to add those to your welcome campaign. And I think honestly, as long as the content is compelling for your audience, you can make as many welcome emails as you want, but start off with those five. Yeah, great. And what about length? Again, common question. How long should some of those emails be? What's the the limit? You know, for a welcome campaign, I'm, and this is, this is not an across the board recommendation. So do your own research. I think I like a welcome campaign email that's about the length of those landing pages that we were talking about. So we're talking a headline, we're talking an image, we're talking a couple of bullet points, maybe maybe not just a couple of bullet points, but maybe like two paragraphs with two sentences each, um, and then that same call to action. And as a copywriter, as a profession, we all know it's way harder to write less than it is to write more, right? So it's easy to just, here's what I think about, you know, our brand is so great and like all this stuff. People aren't going to really read it. They they have that same seven second attention span that they did when they hit your landing page. So at in that first welcome campaign, really get to the point in each email, um, keep those pretty um, tight and benefits focused and fun to read if you can. I mean, not if you aren't a particularly like silly person like I am, but I think that the more fun you can make those to read a little punny maybe, or like a little jokey or, or a little jab at the pain point, if you can, you know, determine the pain point, like, oh, are you like, man, wouldn't you love it if I was there writing your web page so you wouldn't have to yourself? You know, something like yeah. that. That's just a little fun. Yeah. Um, that'll keep people engaged. And then once once they're done with your welcome campaign, they're probably more likely to be happy to get a little bit of a longer email. And I think like the newsletters that you send out, however often you send them out, whether it's t- every two weeks or every month, um, you know, those can be a little bit longer. You can have a a longer, more compelling message because you've already earned that trust in that welcome campaign. Right. So you talked about having an image in an email and there's always a school of thought about this HTML versus text only. You know, what's your thinking around, uh, should we just go straight for text to make it look like a sort of a one-to-one business, you know, correspondence? Or do we add all the HTML sort of formatting and we have to click to download pictures, et cetera, to get to where we want to go? Any thoughts? Yeah, I think that the text um, only emails, that those are by and large considered sales emails. So if you are sending a very direct message to a specific person, then I think the just the text um, is better. It resonates a little bit better. You know, people understand like, hey, this is business. We're, we're talking right now about business. Like I'm really, I'm really making a pitch at you. Um, I, I kind of swear by marketing emails, which is what I would consider the other ty- type that have the imagery and um, they have the call to action button. But those, I would say in general, they are a little bit more fun, a little bit more brand building, a little bit less like, hey, let's get to the point. You know, this is what I think that you need. So you can play around with both of them. I tend to err on the side of um, the marketing emails for those marketing campaigns and for the newsletters. And then as soon as you're ready to kind of go in and really make a pitch, definitely stick with the text one. Okay, really. So once someone's bought, obviously they jump into a different kind of sequence. Talk to us about what that next sequence is. 
Once, um, sorry, what did you say? Once they're bored? Once someone's bought from us, that's my accent. Once someone's purchased. Oh, so once somebody's bought, okay. <laughs> bought, that's it. <laughs> sorry. That's I, should, I should be able to understand the Australian accent better, shouldn't I? <laughs> like tuna and tuna, you know, just, that word just cracks me up. Tuna, tuna fish. Um, and the Aussies, tuna. Yeah, where's my tuna? Um, sorry, I did a segue there about the Aussie accent, Kelsey. Um <laughs> Just talk to me about bought, you know, like sales. Someone's actually bought from us. What's next? I'm practicing my um, American accent. Yeah. Well, um, it de- it really depends on what it is that you're selling. Like we said with the landing page builder, if you sold them something that's a sort of package deal, it's an ebook, it's a course, just make sure you get that to them as soon as possible. Um, if it's a course that's like several videos, you know, you can do it in the same way with the welcome campaign where you send them the first video and then you send them sub- subsequent videos every week or every day or however long you think they need. But then also obviously making the whole course available to them at one time. But when you're offering consulting services or you're offering copywriting services or just a service-based business in general, you know, you don't, you aren't able to provide that directly to them, right? It's a service. What you do need to get to them very quickly is exactly what they can expect. So it's kind of weird, but the onboarding uh, email series that you're going to send to all of your clients should look a lot like the welcome email series that they you sent them after they you know got onto your email list, uh, but a lot more specific. So uh, you know, thank you for signing up for you know my services. Maybe you can use some um, we call it dynamic content, but it means that if somebody signs up to spend, you know, $10,000 a month with you, then you can actually tag that person with that, um, a, a tag that says that, you know, the amount that they spent or their package is 10,000. Um, maybe you call it like a plan or something like that, a pro plan or, a you know, a 10 pages plan or something like that. And you can pull that into the email specifically. So you can say, thank you for per- purchasing my 10 pages plan. Um, here's what to expect. Uh, this is a link to my calendar. Um, within the next couple of days, let's set up a one hour long consultation um, so that I can understand your business more. Uh, here is what you will get throughout the month. And here is you know how I'll provide it to you. Maybe with a lot of marketing and copywriting services, uh, you can't really just dive in and do the work. You need more information about that specific business first. So maybe it's over the next three months, here's what's going to happen. Month one is research and information. Month two is testing. Month three is you can let me go and I'll just take care of things for you. Um, But whatever that process is, that you have, you know, and how you're selling your services to businesses or, you know, whoever's buying them from you, uh, that needs to be laid out at the beginning. And the reason for that is that there are lots of different types of people. There are, are laid back people. There are people who are anxious because they're like put all their money in their business and they really want it to do well, like to, tomorrow. And there's people who tend to just be, you know, very urgent about the way that they want things done. But all of those people's expectations can be managed 
by just telling them what to expect. And then they're not interrupting you by, you know, calling you or emailing you all the time being like, well, what's going to happen next? Oh, well, I haven't seen this yet. They're just like, okay, this is week one. Week one is consultation week. Week two is, you know, starting with copy week. Week three is Kelsey's going to be doing research on her own. I know she's doing that research because she told me what she's going to have for me at the end of it, which is maybe um, phrases, terms, uh, a bunch of headlines for me to search through, uh, you know, even copy, say, for ad campaigns or something like that. I know at the end of that week, I'm going to expect it. But I'm not going to hear from her all week because she's doing research that week. So and whatever it is that your process is, set those expectations ahead mm-hmm. of time. And for a lot of people, you might not actually have that process written down. You have it sort of in your head, but you haven't thought that much about, you know, what, when am I going to be giving these services? What am I offering up? Um, So write it down, (laughs) write it down, create a process. It'll make life way easier for you and for your customers. And you know what, on that research week or on those, during those times when they might not hear from you as often, you can send in your email nurture series, a just bunch of testimonials that week, you know, here are my previous clients. This is what they said. This is what they liked. And that'll hold the place of that person having your attention. Awesome. So you just talked about the nurture series. Just talk us through, because we haven't used that term before, just talk talk us through what that nurture series actually means, just for those who don't know. Yeah, well, a nurture series is, it can happen before or after somebody has bought from you. So when the nurture series is when they first get into your funnel, and that's just sort of warming them up to your brand. Um, And it's doing it regularly. It's letting them get used to seeing you in their inbox. Um, It can be, you know, that welcome series that we talked about is also a nurture series. Um, And then it's also after you've bought or after the person has bought. So that's the same thing, the nurture series, which is just giving them the information they need over time um, and continuing to show up in their inbox Uh, at, you know, regular periods so that they understand that you're there, uh, they get more information from you, they get a better experience with your brand. And another thing that I think is so cool is that, um, you know, previously these nurture series basically came from big companies. Like they came from these companies with these huge marketing budgets, with these huge marketing teams who had an email nurture series creator who put these things together. But now you can do it for yourself because it's so easy in the new, you know, technology that's built for creators, for small business owners, for, you know, marketers who are just, you know, doing consulting services and not a part of this huge team. Awesome. Uh, just jumping just to a separate topic, just to finish up with, because I, I get asked this a lot too. And that is, let's say you've got lots of different audiences on your database and you want to send an email to them. And people say, well, should I just send one email to everybody? Should I you know, do four stories within one email? So talk to us a little bit about segmentation and, and how we can actually use that concept to ensure our audiences get what they need. Right. So segmentation is Um, If we think about those different pages that we were talking about in the beginning. So let's think about um, the students, the teachers, and then the small businesses. Uh, They can all use your service, but they're going to use them in different ways. So when you created your ad campaign or, you know, however it is that you're marketing to them in different ways, finding them where they are, um, 
then you're bringing them to those different web pages or those uh, different landing pages, right? Uh, but once you get those people into your email list, you don't want to just group them all together because then you're just going against what you've already done all of that work for, which is sending them targeted messaging. So you want to take those three different groups and just, you know, the way that it works in um, AWeber is that you just tag them. You tag students as students and you can do that straight from the landing page when they sign up, uh, when they make a purchase, anything like that. You can, you can tag that person, got this lead magnet, signed up, is a student, maybe made this purchase. And that subscriber in your email list actually has all of those elements attributed to them. Uh, same thing with the teachers, same thing with the small businesses, whatever those different groups are within your audience. But then the really powerful part about it is that you can use those tags to only send certain emails to certain segments. So the segment itself is a group of the people who have that tag. So if you have signed up 10 people who are students and they all have that student tag, you can create what's called a segment of the people who have that student tag. You know they're students because that's how you, how you sign them up. And then you send out an email just to students. We're running a student special. Or you can create that nurture campaign that we just talked about specifically for the students targeted based off of that tag and that segment. Um, so that is also another thing that's really powerful. I mean... And something that these big businesses have been doing. I live in, you know, Denver, Colorado. I only get Yelp emails and Domino's emails for Denver, Colorado content. That's it. They do not send me across the board anything. Everything that I get is very, very targeted. And so what's cool is that now you can do that too. And it might not matter, you know, where the person is. It, copywriting is copywriting it you know as long as it's in English I guess um if you're <laughs> if you're providing it in a different language then you know maybe that's a good segmentation process but yeah. what you can really take those different groups and um cater the language to them and maybe your video for the students is more fun and it's a little bit more stoic and serious for the small business owners who don't want to joke around as much they just want you to make them money <laughs> awesome so one challenge for you because this comes up a lot too um you know, let's say you've got a database already and you didn't go to the effort of tagging everything because people just came in before you maybe instigated some of those policies and, and techniques. So you've got 10,000 people, you don't know who signed up to what or when, not, not so much when, but you don't know what they signed up for. What would you recommend to someone who's got that kind of database and they don't have those tags existing? How do they move forward? Well, there's a couple of things that you can get just from the email address itself. So if you have just a name and an email address, and then you add those all to, you know, an email platform, right, which is where you have, you have to have that information in an email service provider like Aweber to do that segmentation. You can't really do it in Gmail or anything like that. Um, but there's some information that comes along with that email address that they have. So you can get some location information about them, um, a little bit of demographic information about them. Um, I always recommend if you don't have a super clean list like that, uh, and, you know, chances are, if you've got a huge list like that, that's not super clean, um, you maybe haven't talked to them for a little while. So I would send out an, you know, an email to everyone's basically just saying like, hey, you know, we're starting this back up again, or I've got a new service or something that's really catchy to grab their attention and then send them a survey. And so you can actually in 
Aweber, but probably in most of the email platforms that you would use, you can tag people based off of just a link that they clicked. So if you sent out an email to everyone really simple and said, it's been a while, I've got these great new services, but real quick, are you a student, a teacher, or a small business owner or other? Whichever one they click on, it'll give them that tag. So it's not surefire. You know, there's probably still going to be tons of people who maybe didn't even open the email or didn't click the link, but you can continue to target those people that didn't click that because you can use those tags to segment those people out, right? So create a segment of people who don't have the tags that you've already added to them and start to to naturally build that back up. Um, And then we always recommend clean the list too. So if you do start to re-engage with this audience or you, you know, continue to engage with them, you just hadn't done that tagging, you know, wait maybe six months and if, or, or even a year. And if there's somebody that hasn't opened a single email, get them out of your list. They're never going to buy from you. Uh, It's, it's a vanity metric at that point, which just means something that's not going to turn into money, but just looks like a bigger number, right? Um, and so, you know, it's, unfortunately, there's no quick trick when it comes to email marketing, you kind of have to like, you got to earn the trust, you got to write the good emails to get people to open them up, you got to, you know, create this wonderful copy, but then also, like, give them what you offered. Don't just create a super catchy subject line and then be, you know, have the email itself be kind of boring, or it's not exactly what you offered. Um, And, but if you put the work in, uh, you can really get there. And you know what? That's a big pitch as a copywriter for, you know, the businesses that you're selling that to. That's exactly what I was thinking, Kelsey. And and sort of just wrapping up um, at the heart of everything you've talked about is copy. And even, you know, I'm sitting here going, it can be overwhelming for a business owner to think that they've got to do all this on their own because, one, they're not copywriting experts and they're not marketing experts. So just that alone is, is daunting. But the thought of actually compiling it all, and that's where the joy of a copywriter comes in because they can do all that for them. So the opportunity, I guess, is what I'm saying for email and copywriters is huge and it's just going to get bigger, right? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I think that copywriting is 50% of marketing. I think that without copywriting, I think marketing is in its essence, copywriting and design. And so it is so, so useful. It is, it's very difficult to do it well. And a lot of, you know, business owners and people tend to think like, well, I know my business really well. So wouldn't I be the best person to write this landing page or this website or this email, or, you know, I like, like I told you, like I am an English major. Wouldn't I be good at writing copy? Well, let me tell you, I've been writing copy for eight years and I'm still just average at it. (laughs) It is hard and it is an absolute skill and a profession. And that, that is something that you can a hundred percent pitch, you know, to a client. You could even use a landing page to say, Hey, why don't, why don't we take your advertisements, and we send half of them to your website and we send the other half to my landing page. And then you can really track, you know, this is what my copy was able to do in terms of conversions versus, you know, your existing website. That's why you should hire me on to, you know, overhaul the rest of your copy. And what a great idea. Awesome. And I, I just concur, you know, people do think they can do it themselves. It's a bit like haircuts. I could cut my own hair 
but that is not a good idea, right? You know, so <laughs> why would you deny a professional, you know, the hour that they spend when, uh, you know, they're going to do a much better job of it than you? So, Kelsey, on that note, I just want to say thank you so much for your wonderful wisdom and insights and lovely bubbly nature and sharing that with us because uh, it truly is uh, a medium that is not going anywhere fast. So it's a very exciting platform for the future. So thanks for being my guest. Yeah, it's been so wonderful to come on. I absolutely loved it. Um, Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Email marketing is huge and there's so much to learn. And like Kelsey said, the tools and the software that only the big corporates could once afford are now available for small business. And those tools are often available either at a very affordable price or even for free sometimes. But like everything, you have to jump in and get started and have a crack. So maybe creating a simple landing page for your business or for a client or a friend is the way to get started. If you'd like to get more confident about what you do, then find out how other copywriters are marketing themselves by joining Copy Club, Australia's most innovative and dynamic community for copywriters. Now, with Copy Club, you can find your tribe, you can access our incredible video series and unlock a host of templates that will give you the confidence you need to take your copywriting business to the next level. To find out more, check out copyclub.com.au. Now, my joke of the day, because I know you're waiting for it. The past, the present, and the future all walked into a bar. It was tense. And my quote of the day from Somerset Maugham, the British playwright who wrote of human bondage. He said, there are only three rules to writing a great novel. Unfortunately, no one knows what they are. On that note, I'll say goodbye. All the best and take care.